we've had this laser-like tunnel vision throughout the preparation for this. And I don't even think we've mentioned any names. But now, with a view to the future, are you prepared to entertain the talk of an you undisputed... Ask, you, ask, you ask the fans, I'm not asking, you do. That's your job as a promoter for Sky. You ask the, the crowd what they want to see. I'm up for anything. Look at the resume. You ask them, you ask. Give, give them some names. OK, I mean, who wants to see Anthony Joshua box Tyson Fury in 2021? I feel like this is Eddie, probably Eddie Hearn's job. That's but his job, bro. That's, that's uh, Eddie Hearn's job. That's 258 management's job. Do you want that fight? Last year, right, uh, 2019. Look, bro, I started this game in 2013. I've been chasing all the belts. I've been dealing with mandatories. Of course I want to challenge. It's not about the opponent, it's about the legacy and the belt. Whoever's got the belt, I'd love to compete with them. If that is Tyson Fury, let it be Tyson Fury. It's no big deal. You never give me a fair shake. HBO needs to fire you, you know what box. You ain't Broke my back. Back is broken. What for, uh, a vertebrae or, or what uh, portion? Spinal. But when we do step in this ring, this ain't wrestling. This ain't the WWE, baby. When you do step in this ring with me, if you do, because this could have been done a long time ago. You can, you can run around like you're a preacher and all that you want, but baby, I promise you, when you step in the ring, I will baptize you. You went out with Boyd Mayweather yesterday in London. What did you do? I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't go, I was at home, man. He's trying to bait me up a while. You starting to say all these big words. I'm starting to take it as disrespect. You know what? Sometimes in your head you can really want to fight. Because that fight will give you everything you have strived for. But with that fight, you will have to give everything. And it may not be enough. You may have to give everything and it may still be the end of you. And when you're faced with that, the question is, do you stay where you are or do you take that step forward? My concern with Anthony Joshua is we haven't really seen him take that step forward, have we? We can talk as much as we want about he's done this, he's done that, look at the CV or he likes to say, look at the resume. There's one man he needs to fight because right now he's not even the best boxer in his division, in his own country. And he doesn't seem to have that energy in terms of looking at his promoter, looking at his team and saying, I want the Fury fight next. Do whatever you have to do to make it happen. Which is, for me, what real leadership is. That's when you become a great fighter in my eyes, when you set the agenda. Now, the problem is, He's allowed another man to set the agenda. Well, there you go, everyone. Andy Joshua just shit himself live on television. He got asked did he want the fight, and he went around the bushes and put his ass on the edge. I want the fight. I want the fight next. I'll knock him out inside three rounds. He's a big bum dosser. Can't wait to knock There you go. That's a real fighting man. Whether Fury believes it or not, it doesn't even matter. The fact is, he puts his nuts on the line and he says, I want the fight next. That's what you want to see in your champion. 
And this is why. This is exactly why the British fans will get behind Fury. My worry is, and it's a side note to all this, my worry is that Joshua Fury becomes racially driven, much like Mark Kayla versus Errol Christian. For the younger fans, go and Google that. That left a very nasty taste in the mouth from what I hear of the guys who were there at the time. Obviously, I wasn't. But what we do not want is this to become, if you're black, you support Joshua. If you're white, you support Fury. We don't want that in this country. After everything we've been through with Brexit, with Black Lives Matter, with COVID, we need a reason to come together. And the reason we should come together were Joshua and Fury to fight. The reason we should be coming together is finally, in this country, on this island, on this septed isle, as they like to say, we will get a chance to see two British men fight to work out who the best big man on this planet is, who the real champion is, and who ascends to greatness and who doesn't. If that can't unify a country, after all the polarizing we've had over the last four and a half years, if that doesn't unify the country, we're in a very dark place. So let's all keep that in the back of our minds that this can never be about anything other than two people boxing. But let's come back to the point. And the point is, how badly does Joshua want it? I remember at university, there was a guy called Cirque, captain of the first 15 rugby side when I joined, I think. And fake tough guy, like most rugby players are, just a real fake tough guy. And people said, why do you want to fight this guy, Terry? Number one, he disrespected me, like on the initiation. He was one of the people I had to slap up on the initiation. But that wasn't really a fight because he was kind of in the background. But it was more he, he was disrespectful in training. And sometimes you just want to work out who the better man is. And I can always remember we'd be in certain venues and there'd be tension because I wasn't really a rugby boy, though I did play a few times. I wasn't one of them. You know, I wasn't part of that dynamic. And I always remember his sister came to visit. And bless, bless old Chris Peel. And his sister came. And she, she wasn't even that special. But it was like, I may as well have a go, right? And so I do. And he loses his mind and he comes over and tries to be the big brother. And I just said to my mates, tonight it happens. Did I feel good? Nah, I was shitting it. But I knew what I could do. And I said, as long as I can do that, I should be all right. And so she comes to the bar where we were chilling and we carry on the conversation. And he drags her away. And I said, why about you let her make her own mind up? And he was like, how about you fuck off? And that was it. My mates cleared. Everyone who knew what was coming cleared the way. And we went at it. But up until the point where we went at it, I was scared as hell. That's what happens in fights. So when people say Josh is a bit scared, I get it. I would be too. Because like we said, everything's on the line for this man. You know, you fight Fury, one person goes up, one person goes down. But is all of that an excuse for what we saw tonight? I don't know. I feel, I feel conflicted about a number of things. I feel conflicted about so many things that have happened over the build-up to this fight and probably in fight camp and stuff where I see Joshua one of two ways depending on what mood I'm in. And I'm being honest. 
There are times I love him. I think he's an interesting and engaging character. There are times I think he's an absolute bellend. And I'll say that on a podcast. I think he's an absolute bellend sometimes. And normally it's when they stick a microphone in front of him in the week of a fight. Even worse is when he makes you pay $24.95. At a time like this where people are struggling for work and so forth, Park got to decide, and it's Christmas as well, so money's definitely tight. You're being asked to pay $24.95. You know, for $24.95, you could probably buy yourself a Pandora ring, you know, get your loved one something for Christmas. I'd recommend the Sparkling Arrow ring if you can find one. You could also probably buy a Nokia 22.5. I reckon you could get one of those for $24.95. And on a good day, you might be able to get the Body Shop White Musk set for $24.95 if they're feeling generous. You, there are things you can buy in December that you can give to someone you truly care about. So with that considered, Joshua should be giving us something we really care about. And if I'm being brutally honest, I don't care about Anthony Joshua fighting a B-minus fighter. And not only fighting a B-minus fighter, but not showing any differential in class between the two. Not only that, a 40-year-old B-minus fighter. A man who came up short against Klitschko, came up horribly short against Klitschko. A man who went to a split decision with Derek Chisora to the point where Derek feels robbed. A guy who probably got the win against Huey Fury because Huey got cut. So in Kubrat Pulev, we're not talking about a decorated professional. We're not talking about a guy who's won belts. He's not a Povetkin and Povetkin's of com- comparable age. He, he's a step down from Povetkin and we were not happy with the Povetkin fight either, were we? Let's be brutally honest. We weren't happy with the Povetkin fight because we knew that wasn't the level we wanted Joshua to be. We don't want Joshua to be fighting these B-minus guys and having to go into the final third of a fight. That's not what we've paid $24.95 for. $24.95. That's like 10 or 15 cans of Red Bull. $24.95 is what people paid to watch Lawrence Okoli against a guy we don't even know. To watch Martin Bacoli against Pam Miranderson. To watch Florian Marku. So in essence, no one really had anyone in there that could get behind apart from Joshua and Pulev. And we don't care about Pulev. We have never cared about Pulev. I've never seen a poll say, I wish Anthony Joshua would fight Kubrat Pulev. I wish Deontay Wilder had fought Kubrat Pulev. I wish Tyson Fury fought Kubrat Pulev. No one has ever, ever wanted to see their guy fight Kubrat Pulev. So why do we have to pay extra for this? The reason we have to pay extra is really, really simple. If you think back to, there was a picture taken at the EIS, publicly funded body being used by a private athlete. No one's ever been able to explain why. So everybody feel free to email the CEO of GB Boxing and say, on what basis are we allowed to use the EIS if we are not part of Team GB? Because it can't just be at Rob McCracken's discretion. This is publicly funded facilities. Well, these are, sorry. These are publicly funded facilities. Why is it the privileged few get to go there and use all the equipment and get access to all those facilities that we're all paying for? Remember, guys, we're all paying for this. And if it's for the betterment of British boxing, then allow British boxers in. It's that simple. 
But let's go back. There was a picture. And it's got everyone in there. It's got Joby. It's got Angel. It's got Joshua. It's got my mate Don Smith in there. There's about 17 people in that picture. Virtually all of them are getting a little wage off that. Brian Jennings is there. Um, what's his name? <laughs> Gerald Washington's there. All these guys are there. The, the German-Kenyan guys there. Kabinga, whatever his name is. Who, fair play to him, man. He's built up his profile. These guys are all there and they all need to be paid for. They all need to be paid for. They all need to be looked after. So, running Team Joshua's expensive. And that excludes all the Freddie Cunninghams and the, the soap guys and the social media people and the guys who provide the security, that exclusive protection money that Anthony Joshua's paying as well. Running Team Joshua's a multi-million pound effort. So when he only fights once in a year, the fans have to suffer. And they'll tell you, oh, he had to do this mandatory, yeah, but he didn't have to charge $24.95 to watch a mandatory, a fight even he didn't want. I think the only person who wanted that fight was Bob Arum. Why? So he could get a look at how they do business up close and personal. He could see that paperwork. Now he's ready. And that's why Bob's so bullish now, because he's now ready. But that's really why you pay $24.95. You pay $24.95 for that picture. You pay $24.95 for the social media manipulation that goes on for you to believe Joshua's bigger than he actually is. You saw tonight when Mayweather showed up who the main man in boxing actually is. And he's been retired four years. Well, you'll probably say three and a bit. But he's technically been retired for four and a bit years now. That's why you pay $24.95. And until you stop paying $24.95, you're going to pay $29.95. Then you're going to pay $39.95. And I can be confident that will be the price point for Joshua versus Fury in the UK. Now, you know who's not going to be paying a penny of that? You know who's not going to put a penny in Joshua's pocket? This guy. And you know why? Because he refuses to give us what we want. We don't mind a flawed champion. That's why Mike Tyson does more pay-per-view buys than Anthony Joshua. We do not mind a flawed champion. We don't mind you going down. But when you're the guy with three out of the four belts we care about, and you're not really taking heads off, and you're dragging a 40-year-old man, a guy who could have kids who box themselves, when you're taking him into the final third of a fight, you're doing something wrong. It's that simple. You're doing something wrong. Because guys at Pulev are there to be taken out. That's what they exist to do. And you're meant to show your superior class, your superior ability. And I didn't see that today. You know, yes, Pulev played the role of the Eastern European villain really well. Congratulations. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he made a bit of a rumpus at the weigh-in and so forth. Well done. But ultimately, this is a 40-year-old man who came to get paid. This is his last big payday. That's him done with big paydays. Now he's just enhancement talent. And he knew that. So he got his money and he left. And Bob looked after him in that sense. Congratulations. But this is a guy whose CV is all about guys like Chisora, Michael Sprott, um, Alexander Dimitrenko, who are seeing D-level fighters. Tony Thompson's in there as well. Like these are C, D, E level fighters. They're not that good. So why did we care about Pulev? 
because we buy into the nonsense. Most boxing fans do. And I don't understand it. I don't understand the psyche of a boxing fan. You know, you couldn't tell people to sit up and watch Liverpool play, I don't know, Marine FC or Dulwich Hamlet. And you have to watch that week after week. After a while, you're just going to turn off and say, that's not a challenge for me. And so that's where we ended up tonight. We ended up with Joshua, who is still a blue ribbon prospect. Well, even a prospect now. He's a blue ribbon boxing asset. He brings numbers in. He has pedigree. Let's stop dicking around with this learning on the job nonsense. He has real pedigree now. And given his due, he's cleaned up all the kind of B minus up to A minus level guys. He's cleaned those up. Sometimes it's worth remembering what other guys had done by Joshua's age. And Mike Tyson had already fought Evander Holyfield twice. Lennox Lewis had fought guys like Ray Mercer. He'd fought guys like Tommy Morrison, still guys who had a bit of pop in them. He'd fought Oliver McCall. He'd fought Henry Akin one day. He'd fought, he'd fought guys who are like, okay, put him in with these guys. Shannon Briggs, Evander Holyfield, all in and around the same age span, right? We know what Riddick Bowe had done. Now, Riddick Bowe had fought Holyfield already. These guys had all taken those risks against real elite opposition. Now, has Joshua done that? Not yet. Unless we have to accept that actually maybe Joshua is a B-level fighter. And if, he, if that's the case, then he's the best of the B-level guys. Because we're still looking at Ortiz, Joshua and Wilder and wondering how Joshua would get on against them. And he's at the age now where we should have had answers to a couple of those questions, if not more. That's why we're annoyed. When people say you're a Joshua hater, no. When you're a boxing fan and you've been a boxing fan for a long time, you see yourself as someone who has a sense of the longitudinal aspects of the sport. And this is the one time where it just looks like such a blatant cash grab. I wasn't around in the 80s to watch what Don King did with Mike. But I'm seeing it now and I'm seeing this blatant cash grab where it's take the fans' money and give them nothing. Because we still remember Joshua versus Klitschko and that's over three and a half years ago. Over three and a half years ago. And we still remember Joshua for that. We remember him for losing and coming back, but we remember that second fight when he fought scared. A bit like he did tonight. He fought scared. I'm going to take that back because I think that's somewhat unfair on a professional boxer. He fought apprehensive. He fought like he was riddled with doubts. And he can sit there in front of the Sky cameras and talk about how Joby Clayton's reprogrammed his mind. And maybe that is true, but... Anthony Joshua is a guy who has been big his whole life and has always had the size advantage in the conflicts he's been involved in. And now he's playing with the heavyweight big boys and he realizes it's not just enough to be six foot six with loads of muscles because these guys don't care about that. They're coming to take your head off. And he struggles with that mentally. And I think when his career is done and he's man enough, he'll stop and he'll go, I really struggle with the mental side of boxing. And that will make his achievements even more impressive because I am prepared to say Anthony Joshua is one of those great British overachievers. Maybe it's the case that Joshua's always been a B-level guy who's just got a little bit of power in there that gets him out of trouble. Maybe that's what he is. And if he is, then we need to give him a massive round of applause for almost getting away with it. 
But at some point, you got to meet guys who are just as big as you, just as strong as you, just as strong as you mentally. And that's when we test you. We don't test you against 40-year-old guys who have seen better days. We don't test you against little chubby heavyweights who then struggle with the burden of fame and end up just eating chimichanga till they're sick and then show up having not trained and having not really tried to diet down. We're not, we're not going to judge Anthony Joshua against that. We're going to judge Anthony Joshua against the prime candidates in the division. And if you can't see that as a boxing fan, then you're one of the guys who's paying twenty four ninety five to watch him fight a B-minus fighter in prelim. And it was all demonstrated. So when you go back, as I was watching the fight, there are a number of things that worried me. Number one, Joshua doesn't look as willing to engage that right hand as he used to. And that might just be a safety first thing where he's most vulnerable when he goes to swing those right hooks like he used to, right? So they might have just told him, keep everything tight and just punch it down the middle. Fair enough. If that's what comes out as a tactical plan, kudos. But it looks like he's apprehensive about using that right arm. I don't know if it's that he's injured. If he's not carrying niggling injuries, he'd be the first six foot six, 17 stone something guy I've ever met that doesn't carry injuries going into his activity. Big men are prone to break a lot because we put a lot through those bodies. And if he is fighting injured, then once again, kudos. Because for me, Joshua's a B, B-level fighter. And if he's doing that against other B-level fighters with injury, then salute. But we're not going to call him an A-grade fighter yet. I don't want to hear this Olympic gold medal stuff because... We're trying to see him do the basics here. And yes, there was that kind of pawing, fawning jab and that kind of jab to the body, which he didn't really engage with. And if you know anything about the jab to the body, the best way to jab to the body is to step right into it. He was doing it the opposite way. He was going backwards as he was throwing that jab and he wasn't getting the purchase that he needed because he probably could have hurt Pulev to the solar plexus had he tried. So you're seeing the jab. I'm not seeing any right hooks. I'm not seeing any any creativity but he knew once he had a hold of Pulev he could start ripping those uppercuts and fair enough it's an effective punch I wouldn't want to take that in 10 ounce gloves and I have no idea how he made those 10 ounce gloves look so damn big by the way they they looked like 16s when he had them on and also a side note kudos to him for having the the, the no logo gloves like it's almost like a tribute to Javante and maybe he's calling out for sponsorship so Floyd might just come down to getting that grant sponsorship but you did. You had Pulev, who essentially was a six foot five walking punch bag. There was no head movement. His guard looked flimsy. He didn't look very mobile. He wasn't able to, you know, roll and ride the punches. There's not much he could do other than just rely on a granite chin and just take those shots. Now we don't know if the chin was granite or if the punches weren't all that until Pulev got tired. But it was all very limited from both men. And as a boxing fan. If I produced a heavyweight that box that way, while I'd love the money and the adulation, deep down I'd be watching that going, I think I failed the sport. Now, I don't know how we want Joshua to box. He's got to box that way because I don't think he can do anything else. But I'd rather we had a heavyweight who was a fine representation of the things we love about boxing. And that means you've got to have some skill. That means you've got to have some bravery. That means you've got to be able to come forward when you need to. That means you've also got to be able to hold back and contain. But ultimately, we want you to be getting suckers out of there as quickly as possible. That's what we want. We want to see that kind of destruction. And the old Joshua gave us that, but he gave us the vulnerability. 
maybe we weren't too forgiving of him being vulnerable and maybe that's our fault. But the version of Joshua I see now, I don't enjoy. I haven't enjoyed it. The fight I saw tonight, I didn't enjoy. That doesn't fill me with hope that he can get any better. You know, you've got Angel and you've got Joby and I'm like, okay, but this is the best that we're going to get, clearly. He'll move his feet a little more. He might do some some deep breathing, some Wim Hof style work. I don't know. But against someone who can really and truly box, someone who can move laterally, against someone who's got some head movement, who can change head level, Joshua's going to struggle. That doesn't mean he's going to lose, but he's going to struggle and he'll have to work harder because he'll be eating shots that he doesn't see. Pulev was there like to be seen. Like, he, Joshua could see everything Pulev was trying. Kudos to him for being that good. But we need to remember that's a 40-year-old B-minus fighter. That's the cold hard reality of this. Yeah. And eventually you become 40 years old in that ring. And he did. And once he became 40 years old, Joshua took him out. But it was messy. It was clumsy. It wasn't elegant. And as a boxing fan, I wouldn't have paid $24.95 for that. And those who did, if you're not questioning why you paid $24.95, then it's you that's the problem. But that really summarizes the fight. And one of the things I had to reflect on was, and I think Wilder had the same problem. What's going to happen when all the advantages you rely on are taken away from you? So if Joshua fought Wilder, Wilder's got far longer arms and carries far more power. Now how do you fight? Now I know Hearn talks this nonsense about breaking him down, this, that, and the third. Nah, I don't think so. I don't think Joshua's that sort of guy where he's going to take the risks required to break someone down. So when you sacrifice the reach, the speed, and the power, what do you do then? It's going to be the same thing with Fury. When you sacrifice reach, when you sacrifice height, when you sacrifice weight, when you sacrifice hand speed and skill, what are you able to do? Because I don't think we've really seen Joshua in that position. Like when he fought Ruiz for the first time, Ruiz had the hand speed to the point where Joshua didn't even see where the punches were coming from. That's why he said to McCracken, why am I feeling like this? Because you got hit for God's sake. That's what happens when you get hit by someone who knows what they're doing. You tend to feel a bit funny. And so, as, as, as I keep saying, now we look and we go, what's going to happen next? Is it going to be Fury? Who knows? But luckily, Bob's straight on the case. And I love this because one of the art of boxing Twitter really is, how do you get in front of the story? And Bob Arum is getting right in front of the story, which I think is good because normally it's Hearn that runs the agenda. But for once, Fury and Arum are working in sync. So kudos to whoever's behind that. I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's Mel T doing the, the guidance behind that, but fair play because, I mean, we're going to bed with the words of Bob Arum and Tyson Fury in our ears. You think that fight plays out in a second, but what happens from here now, Bob, between you and Eddie Earn and Team Joshua? I think we talk on Monday and we start uh, putting together a memorandum of understanding, uh, which essentially sets out a 50-50 deal. with uh, alts and television and uh, these other elements uh, to be uh, decided on a mutual basis. Uh, Joshua's side on one hand and Fury's side on the other. Is this with a 
So there you have it. Bob straight in. And what I found interesting is they're talking 50-50. Fine. No one complained about that. Make it happen. I just hope he feels the same way about Crawford versus Spence. I hope these fights are just that easy to get made. But I have a feeling we won't see it yet. And the reason I don't think we will see it yet is pretty simple. Once these two guys fight each other, what's next? Is that enough time for Wilder to rebuild? I don't know. Is that enough time for one of the, the young guns to come through? Now, I know my mate Dan Parker will love this, but does that mean Joe Joyce will be ready by that point? I, these are all the unknowns that we have to deal with. But ultimately, you're not going to make the Fury-Joshua fight unless you've got one or two fights after that that you can still monetize. Because I imagine those two will want to do that fight and then retire. I, I just, I come back to this thing. I don't know if Joshua really enjoys boxing. I think he enjoys the money and the opportunities it gives him. I think he enjoys the fact that it gets him out of Watford. But I don't know if he really enjoys boxing. But only he can answer that. Do you know what? Being honest, I shouldn't forget to thank Umar from IFL for that for that clip. So, so shout out to him. Go and check him out. Probably the best thing on IFL, if we're being honest. But I digress. So... We've got all the chicanery that's coming. What, what All I'm going to react to is when the paperwork signer, we get Fury v. Joshua. I, what I don't want to hear is Joshua's got to fight another mandatory. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear Fury's got to do a mandatory either. I just, I want us to get these big fights out of the way and then let's go from there. Because we can't be paying twenty four ninety five for another three or four fights and then going, Oh, now we get the big one. By then, we don't even care. And those guys are too old to give us what they could have given us. Floyd had a scarred, man. Let's not lie. Mayweather had a scarred with that Pacquiao being dragged out. And, you know, we were all part of this bigger plan to take as much money out of the fans as he can and then get out and then come back and fight Conor McGregor. It's genius on one hand, but, I mean, we're not trying to invest like that anymore. So we just need these fights to happen as quickly as possible, if I'm being honest with you. That's all we need, just for these fights to happen. And let's just keep it moving. But as for Joshua, like, I feel it's, I always have to justify the things that I say because it's not that I dislike Joshua as a person. I don't. I'm confused by Joshua as a person because you can see Joshua in his elements. So when Joshua's at Finchley, and I know this because I know a lot of people that were in camp with him when he was in Finchley and they described him as funny, gregarious, brilliant, like just, just a top guy says what he thinks, speaks from the heart. And then you see him in fight week and you're just like, Jesus, why don't this guy just shut up? And is that... And the frustration exists in the tension between those two. So a prime example is this. At the height of the, the Black Lives Matter thing, now whatever your politics are, park for the side, okay? Don't, don't, it's not even a debate worth having. Let's just park that to the side for a second. But if at the height of Black Lives Matter, you're there dressed all in black and you've come off your, your injury bed, right? Because that was when his knee was done in. So you, you come off your sick bed to address the people in Watford in the rain and you tell them, look, spend money in black people's shops and this, that and the third. And you're adamant. You're really there. Like, I want to make a difference in the community. We need our own space, this, that and the other. And then you refuse to take a knee. And then you backpedal and you go, well, we're talking about solutions for all British people. And that's cool. Listen, I'm like that. I, I, I'm, a, 
I'm a one nation thinker. I like to think of Britain as a whole and all the things we need to address and it can be around religion, race, whatever. We, we need to address as a nation. That's the only way we move forward. But Anthony Joshua also has to explain how you go from being quite militant in June to being sobered up now in December. It's almost as if someone's just told him, listen, don't have a brain, don't have an opinion. But he's so wealthy now. If we're not going to hear the opinion now, when are we going to hear it? I can't wait for him to retire because by then it's too late. When you had your platform, you went missing. And it's not the first time Joshua's gone missing on his own platform. And that's why you've got to credit the guys who had the conviction to take a knee. But, oh, we don't, want to, we, do, we don't want to ruin the cash cow. And this is where you know that that chain of Joshua's is being yanked by someone who's not him. He's not the master of his own destiny. He gets told what to say and what to do. I don't know how long he can do that for. But they're my frustrations with Joshua. It's all these things like the, the tough talking on Friday. Why don't we see that in general? Like which, who, which Joshua are you? Are you the don't let the pain get to your heart and all that rubbish? Or are you the listen, let's talk more action? Don't know. But we need to find out soon enough because we're getting bored of this Anthony Joshua MBA business studies project, whatever it is they're trying to do. Because what we've realized is it ain't working. He's struggling to cross over. He's not doing the numbers they thought he would. He's nowhere near being that billionaire boxer. And you know that because Mayweather comes into Wembley Arena, takes all the attention, and you know in about two or three months' time, Mayweather's going to make more than Joshua did for this fight. Boxing a YouTuber. That's what happens when you box B-level fighters consistently. The old guys can keep making money because they can prove they weren't fighting B-level guys. That's why Tyson did 50 million in pay-per-view buys, probably 55 million. That's why Mayweather's done hundreds of millions in pay-per-view buys because they don't fight B-level guys. And on that note, I'm going to sign out, guys. Thank you. It's very late. So I hope you enjoyed this. As always, like, share. Don't, don't just keep it to yourself. You know, Make sure you're mates and tell a friend to tell a friend and all that good stuff. And take care. Have a great day. <laughs>